Hello, everybody, and happy holidays. It is another edition of the Raptors 2K podcast brought to you by our friends at Uber Eats. I'm your boy, E.E., a.k.a. Phil Visu. My man, Shane, is oh, this way, right? Yeah, this way. Shane is here as well. I know we've been going for a little bit, but you know what? It's always a good time, especially during the holiday season, to catch up on everything. So, Shane, update us. What's the latest on your end, my friend? Man, we're just uh, hustling. Things are ramping up quickly at AMP. We've had uh, a couple cool partnership things come to fruition and trying to close up the year. Had a banger video last night. And uh, yeah, but for you, I'm noticing a new streaming space. So you have moved or something. Yeah, I mean, basically my room is back there. And I was like, I don't want to be in there anymore. So I took here because this room, this area (laughs) is so big. Like we just split. It was originally a gym area. So it's just like, I just put the gym equipment over there and I just took this for a streamer and there's still plenty of room. It's like a ridiculously overspaced common area uh, in the house, but it's good. It feels good. You know, I feel good to stream outside my room. I feel more motivated actually, um, just being in kind of like an office set setting or space, if you will. So if you see somebody walking by there, it's not a home invasion. Just got some roommates just, uh, <laughs> just lurking around. So don't worry about it. You're not getting swatted? Nah, not yet. Right. You got any plans for the holidays? Are you going to go back home? Are you going to stay in Cali? Well, let's see. Um, for Thanksgiving, I didn't get to go home. But I remember. Um, since, since my birthday just passed, I decided, you know Happy what? Belated. Sorry, I missed that. Appreciate- no, you're fine. Appreciate that, Shane. I decided to be smart. Let me just go ahead and go home, okay, to just one, maybe showering gifts, okay, and two, get some home cooking <laughs> for mom because nothing beats that. So, yes, I'll be going back to the East Coast to spend my holidays. I'm very excited for it. Nice, nice. Yeah, we're also super stoked. We had like, you know, obviously a couple of pandemics here and or a couple of pandemic Christmases here because uh, as, if you're paying attention to what was going on, the Canadian government kept shutting us down. So I'm looking forward to having a real proper Christmas. You know, all the yep. little nieces and nephews are getting to that age. It's super cute. They all know everything about Santa. And uh, my sister and brother-in-law moved into a nice house down the street that we're going to be celebrating at. So I'm also looking forward to the holidays. And I'm going to go uh, actually down to Florida for a little bit, spend some time uh, at my aunt's place on the beach, which again, very much looking forward to. And then when we come back, we got a super secret AMP trip plan that I can't spill Uh the beans on just yet. But uh, yeah, we're going to be taking the show on the road uh, a little bit in January and uh, hopefully banking some really awesome content there. So if if you end up in my area, make sure you give me a heads up because you know, I'll pull up. You ain't got to worry. You ain't got to think twice about that. 100%. 100%. I'll, I'll be honest. We were going to um, we were going to be there for uh, for something uh, with the NFL, but the scheduling just didn't work out. So we're looking to postpone oh. that and do it and do okay. another thing. But yeah, we will undoubtedly be out there uh, over the course of the year this next year for sure. We'll hit you up. We got to get you into a vid for sure. That's what I'm talking about. They see right there, Shane, a man of the people. And you got to <laughs> appreciate that. But Shane, I think we can both agree the people we got to eat. We need something. We it's early in the morning. I don't, I don't have any fuel yet. I'm going to hit my Uber Eats app and order me a crisp breakfast sandwich. It's a ham, egg, and cheese, a little bit of mayo, mm. and sriracha from this local mm. deli called Donut Star, not too far. It's absolutely delicious. Mm. Well, we always keep it real and raw here, and I'm going to spare all of the key details because those would be uh, inappropriate, to be quite frank. But uh, I haven't eaten anything since yesterday. I went in for a little procedure yesterday, and it's funny. It's a little, I guess, coincidental that what you're eating is what I ate last. But when I got (laughs) to the procedure room, when I got to the procedure room, the anesthesiologist who was going to put me under for the procedure – 
confirmed I hadn't eaten anything all day. And I said, well, I ate something at 9 a.m., but well ahead of the two-hour window that was communicated in like the pre-op PDF that the nurse had yeah. sent. Turns out the nurse had made a typo that was supposed to be 24 hours, not two hours uh, before op. So now I found out I couldn't go under. So again, sparing all details as far as what the procedure was, I had to go through that without being uh, put under. It's been uh, a bit of a rough 24 hours. It's been the recovery's not been great. Yeah, I have not eaten anything in a day. So I am looking forward to this. And yeah. uh, I'm going to get I think I'm becoming a bit of a repetitive broken record. And I'm not going to lie. We always try to, you know, cast a real lens on uh, on what we're uh, doing here on this pod. And my go-to, like probably every other order uh, from Uber Eats uh, here is like a half and half kind of chicken shawarma with salad and rice. And it's my absolute favorite. It's definitely loaded in calories. But like I said, right now I can feel my stomach grumbling. So I'm going to lock in for one of those because when you get favorite. that feeling of your stomach sucking up against your spine, it's time to put something in there. Okay. Give it something yeah. to work with, Shane. For a guy whose metabolism slowing down, like I was always really skinny as a kid, but as I gotten older, it's not quite so easy. Sometimes I like that feeling. It's like, okay, I'm going to be, you know, looking fit. But yeah, right now I am just hungry. I'm coming out of 24 hours of post-op uh, recovery and I'm excited to get some food calories in my system. Shout out to Uber Eats and Raptors Uprising for always keeping us fed while we do this. We do appreciate them, man. And the orders do tend to come fast. Mine never comes first, though. We still haven't figured that mystery out just quite yet. But uh, nonetheless, we have a very exciting show. We have a very exciting guest, actually. Uh, Coach Roy from the Raptors Uprising has decided to bless us and join us. And I'm really happy about that, too, Shane, because I've seen some power moves have been made via the NBA 2K League's Twitter. I've seen there's been some trades going on. And I'd like to kind of dissect his brain about what was the logic behind some of those. You know what I'm saying? Were you involved in those meetings? Roy's been working, man. No, I'm, I'm at arm's length. You know, here and there, a couple of conversations uh, along the way, but truly was uh, removed from actual final decisions uh, on all of that. And, you know, was kind of learning about things as the community was learning about things. Sometimes a little heads up here and there. Hey, we did the deal. It's going to come out in the next day or two. But um, but no, yeah, Roy's been working. Definitely, you know, love to hear his take on, you know, what he's trying to do next year with the roster. And, you know, for those just to kind of, I guess, set it up for everybody listening, you know, we really kind of bet the farm uh, a little bit on last year's team, right? We got rid of this year's first in order to bring in Saint. And that was kind of like, once we got Dimes and Kenny aligned around how they were, you know, the positions they were going to play. Okay, we had Dimes at center. You know, we're thinking type is, you know, capable of playing center at an elite level. You know, if we move him to power forward, like it'd be awesome to see what kind of a threat he could be there. Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, we had Kenny and we had uh, a really high first round pick who we knew we were going to get another guard and we were going to try to move Kenny to the two guard, which is a good fit for him. Um, we were like, okay, well, you know, all we have left to work with really is uh, is like a later pick for our lock and lock being such an important position, um, or at least we felt it was heading into the season, we stepped up and, you know, moved this year's first uh, to bring Saint in. And so, yeah, Coach Roy came in. He didn't have a lot to, to really work with, to be honest. And he's made a ton of moves and now has a ton of picks stacked. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing what his plan is and catching up on how all that's gone down. Well, there you go. Beautiful introduction. So without further ado, let's bring in our guest for episode 15, Coach Roy, standing by. Go ahead and pop in on us. Roy, thank you so much for, one, taking the time uh, to be here. Really appreciate that. And, two, of course, sharing some insight with us. Tell me, though, first, bro, how are you feeling during this holiday season? How's everything going for you? Man, it's uh, it's different, for sure. Like, being in Canada for the first time in uh, in 10 years, like, as we – uh. You know, in the States, as you get to Thanksgiving, things start to slow down. And this is the yeah. first year in my life that uh, 
parents called me they're like happy thanksgiving and i was like what thanksgiving today we're at work mom yeah yeah i'm like it's 2 p.m but a tuesday i'm in the office um so uh, no it's definitely a little different but uh love it so far love canada so far everyone's you know everyone's been great taking care of me so yeah i've been uh you you say that but you're from here originally right you're from oakville initially yeah so i'm from oakville and it's actually funny the first phone call shane and i ever had completely by chance uh was last year in january and i was like oh shane by the way i'm from oakville and shane had just moved to oakville um and uh yeah from oakville i lived in oakville from when i was six to 13 i moved to the states when i was 13 so a little bit of a homecoming but uh First time in adult life that I've been like in Toronto. So many more condos, so much more development than I'm used to seeing. So uh, it's been pretty cool. Bustling city. Where where in the U.S. did you live from 13? Did you kind of move around or were you planted in one spot? No, I was in uh, Scarsdale, New York. So literally right outside New York City. Um, okay. Yeah, like 20, 20 minutes, 18 miles outside the city. And then uh, went to college in upstate New York, at University of Rochester, which is like literally two hours from Toronto. Oh, and, man, that's uh, a hike. Yeah. Yeah, from, and then, the yeah, yeah, it's like a six, seven hour drive. And then uh, right out of college, went straight to work for uh, Dallas Mavericks and Mavs gaming last year. So um, yeah. awesome. Yeah. And that, and I'm, so as, as Phil alluded, you know, we keep it real and raw, tell the true stories. I think that's, you know, for those who listen, that's what they're listening for. So you brought up our first ever phone call conversation. So I'll tee up Roy a little bit, give a little bit of an introduction to kind of based on his, his MO or his reputation coming in here. Um, is, you know, he's kind of like a money ball guy for 2K, you know, really like had a reputation for being heavily stats driven. I think it was Liquid was uh, the team you ran when you were in college. That kind of became one of those top pro-am teams. Is that the case? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when he got the job at Mavs, uh, we were trying to do a trade with the Mavs and we popped on a call and uh, Roy came out of the gate swinging, just dropping knowledge on me. Stats analysis. Here's how this works. Here's how that works. And I was like, Okay, I'm impressed. And like, you know, I had to do my thing. I'm, I'm negotiating on my side. So I had to point out, you know, where I thought that perhaps some of the insights, you know, I could argue on our side would actually be benefit, beneficial to, to the leverage that we had going into that trade or the assets that we were putting on the table. But it was a good, I was like, you know, not too many times have I gotten onto a trade call and someone who's, who's kind of like brand new in the league from that perspective, you know, obviously right out of college comes in and yep. makes as strong of an impression as, uh, as he did. But you certainly made a strong impression. Obviously, in that case, we were kind of on opposite sides of the table. Excited to have you on this side of the table now working on our behalf but uh i think you know what would be great to hear is just like how did it go from you and i are duking it out trying to make a trade happen and you're in dallas to you're hired by the toronto raptors like what happened in between over the last you know year that led you here to this role yeah i think uh the biggest thing was the people i think uh you know like uh you hear like the i don't want to say the rumors because they're true uh you hear like the the buy-in, right? Um, culture is everything. I mean, it was esports, real sports, whatever the case may be. And you hear little things that are like, wow, like I wish I could, I wish I had that. I could leverage that to, uh, you know, to a, get something on the court, off the court, whatever it may be. I can make this ecosystem better if I have certain key pieces. And uh, truth about the 2K League is, uh, you know, there's a varying degree of, of buy-in, frankly, from every team. And it's fair. Some teams want a slice of the pizza and they were hoping the pizza gets bigger, you know, so the piece gets bigger. And I think at the Raptors and something I'm very proud of and Shane can testify to is we want to make our piece bigger. Um, what, you know, whatever the total size is. So like just seeing what the Raptors did, their capabilities. Um, you know, I was, I was, you know, shout out to Mavs gaming for giving me my first opportunity in the league. There were no, uh, there was no slack over there, but, uh, just seeing the difference from, you know, something like fifth in partnership revenue to first in partnership revenue. Um, 
and seeing how bought in the team is the uh, quality of staff we've got here. Um, you know, dedicated people that are dedicated to esports. Um, that's frankly why I'm here is the uh, work ethic and ability of the people around me. Like I literally learn something new every single day and it's easy to say that and be cliche. It's another thing when, you know, our, our uh, creative Nick has worked at like every esports organization in Canada and uh, <laughs> as any situation we're in, I'm like, okay, you know, like this is kind of new for me. And they're like, oh, it's not new for us. And I'm like, beautiful. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to shout out Nick. I, Nick's a rock star. Nick joined partly yeah. through last season and made a very, very strong impression on me out of the gate. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, he is solid, solid, solid dude and great worker, very smart, very tapped in. And yeah, it's been awesome to see that team run with uh, what we started over the last five years. And from the outside looking in, I just said, I mean, I looked around, and I saw Kev Franklin, who's, I mean, work ethic is unparalleled. I saw Johnny come in and make a little difference with the, the EANHL stuff. And uh, saw Nick, I could see the creative direction switch when Nick came aboard. And literally, like, transparently, I was like, man, if the Raptors could win a couple more games, everything else is taken care of. Um, and so opportunity just kind of happened. Like Shane said, we were going back and forth and I was really worried that uh, when I was doing for this job, maybe I had been a little too gung-ho up out the gate as a 22-year-old <laughs> kid in a trade discussion. Um, but uh, Sumit, you know, shout out Sumit Aurora, our VP here, saw something in me. We went back and forth on LinkedIn a couple of times and a position just happened to open up um, by luck of the draw about, you know, a couple months into the season. And, um, you know, we were just talking and by the end of the season, like I knew this was a move I wanted to make if the Raptors would have me, and I was lucky enough where they would. So it's kind of the full story of how it happened. Oh, so I, now I bumped into you at the All-Star game, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of had a feel like you had really good energy, right? A lot of good vibes. Seemed like you're a smart guy. Obviously, you are very well-spoken and stuff like that. But I got a question for you. The hell is up with some of these trades, man? Type is gone. Big Saint is gone. If you break it down for me as a fan of those players in particular, how this came to be, my friend. I need to know. I'm sorry. I'm very yeah. I just need to know. Yeah, I um I basically uh, you know, to use a COD reference here, like I call being twelfth to eighteenth in this league the gulag. And why I call it the gulag is uh <laughs> it's simple. I mean, sometimes you get put in situations where you're not bad enough to be good, meaning you're not bad enough to have draft capital for the next year, but you're also not good enough to make the playoffs. So you're sitting here not playing meaningful basketball at the end of the season and uh, going, well, you know, we're probably going to have the 11th, 12th pick this year. Um, maybe that's not enough to land that X-factor guy. Uh, the thing about Kenny, Type, and Saint last year is I think all of them are good, but uh, 2K is so situational, right? You need the right pieces around you. Um, and you, and they might differ from 2K to 2K. You know, season three, the center was a lot more involved than season four. And how are you supposed to know that before the game comes out, right? So. Uh, that being said, every single one of those guys is an extremely talented player. And ultimately, I think it was our fault. We didn't have the pieces to help make them successful. Um, in terms of situationally, we sent them to places that they had a greater chance to continue their careers at a high level than they did here at the time. And all the respect in the world to those guys, I hope to get this team to a place where we have those pieces. And maybe I can reach back out and say, okay, this guy's the final piece. But... Uh, you know, being stuck in the middle, if you will, for uh, for two years. And even though we made $0 last year, like we were competitive in a couple of games, you know, that we could have won. Um, that's really what it was. I said, okay, we got to commit to one side of the coin here. We got to rebuild or we got to be all in and, and you know, add another piece. And uh, mm. 
and just some of the moves that we made last year, like, you know, no problem swinging, but sometimes you miss and you got to be able to look at things objectively, retool and say, all right, let's uh, try and start a fresh year. Cause uh, what we've been, you know, working with for the last two years, just, it just wasn't working. So uh, I would love to get this team to a spot and be able to maybe bring type and Saint back, but uh, ultimately it's on us. Uh, they didn't have the pieces they needed to be successful. And, you know, in the next couple of years, I hope to have those pieces. Fair enough. I can't, I can't, I can't be mad at a man with a plan. Not. Yeah, exactly. You, now, now you get your chance to really put your, uh, you know, get make your mark uh, on the roster. It'll be exciting to see, you know, what the off season and the draft looks like. That's one of my favorite times of the year. It's always full of questions and uh, and hope, mm-hmm. and uh, the energy's there, and like everyone's buzzing on social because everyone's trying to be really positive and supportive, and everything gets a little boost. I mean, nothing will uh, ever. Uh, I think Trump the first season when like the OG GMs came in and there was really no league level communication yet. And so the GMs were just like the source of all information. And it was a lot of like half information here and there, but it was just like juiced. And I remember some of the GMs just got their socials, you know, firing because they would, you know, kind of tweet. I got information pop on my, it's called spaces now. I can't remember what we were going live with back then. Love it was like, no, way before Clubhouse, Young Buck. Oh. It was. Oh my was like, god! Oh, I was, I was go. in high school. Wouldn't know what a season was, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. oh, what was it back? It's on the tip of Phil's question. tongue, too. Yeah, that's a good question. My there was like a live, there was like a live component thing built on to uh, Twitter back then, and I can't remember. Where it's been killed. Was since. it Periscope? Anyway. Periscope. Periscope. Yeah, Periscope. That is Periscope. it. Yeah, 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 it was yeah, integrated yeah. into it. Yeah, Periscope. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's that, that was like a that was crazy, right? And then, you know, I mean, I guess on that it's completely tangential to the interview here with Roy, but just going back down memory lane, it's funny because I remember like the first thing that kind of broke was when the uh draft pool kind of came out. There was those text messages between Anthony and um who's the who's the player? He didn't end up making it in that draft, but he ended up making it in subsequent years and I don't think he's he's in the league anymore. Mr. something. Do you know who I'm talking about, Roy? Season one? It was so there was this like fiasco where, um, you know, not intending for it to be interpreted the way that it was, Anthony, good guy, you know, had a great relationship with him when he was working the league, was at the Cavs uh, season one and I believe season two as well. Uh, had texts between another player who didn't get in and then they ended up at and, and kind of said like you know don't worry i'm gonna make sure you're good kind of thing um which is really just meant like hey vouching for him with the league right mm-hmm. and then the league ended up adding him to the roster and then there was this whole fiasco like oh my god it's all rigged look the gms are, p- are handpicking who they want in it you know etc um mm-hmm. meanwhile at the time i mean it really was a handpicked process you know we didn't Isn't have the junk? tournament structure that we have right now no it wasn't chalk but it was oh my god it's on the tip of my tongue he came into the league and he played for, I think, the Hawks, maybe moved around for two seasons and it didn't quite work out eventually, you know, in the end. But uh, anyway, it was funny because at that point, the the 2K League was really kind of like operating almost like the NBA. It was like very, very vanilla, like PR type, you know, uh, messaging and now, you know, addressing issues, excuse me. And it just went crazy, like. The response from the player community was like overwhelming. The engagement was like through the roof on social, and it's amazing to see where the league has come from now. Because we were all kind of like, you know, people with esports back when we were like, "Listen, this is a little different than sports. You know, you're not the NBA operating above, you know, the fan base. Like the fan base, the player base is super interactive, super engaged on social media. You're going to have to like open up the kimono a little bit more and like show them what's going on behind the scenes. Give them real facts that don't seem like we're just like kind of you know wiping the slate with uh, you know a PR like announcement. So just 
funny to think back, you know, just five, six years ago, how different things were. And, you know, as far as a look ahead to the future, you've got Kenny, you've got pick 15, you've got pick 25 and pick 26 and pick 36. Uh, 25 and 26, I love that because you've got two key positions you've got to fill and you don't have to worry about who's going to take your other player in between the one that you prioritize first, right? So that's mm-hmm. that's a great position to be in. What, what you know, I will say like, you know, I think it's you're free to kind of talk strategy a little bit only because I know how much things are going to change between now and the actual draft, you know, like mm-hmm. things change so rapidly. So, but what, what are you thinking right now, as far as what you have going into next year's draft? Like, what are you prioritizing based on what you're seeing in the meta of the game and in, in the, uh, the kind of the draft pool? So I think the nice thing about having an open roster, right. Is uh, you have the ability to take the best player available, right? Sometimes the player drops like uh you know, there's a amazing, let's just say there's make a hypothetical scenario here. Let's say there's an amazing shooting guard on the table, right? And uh, being at 15 is a good spot to be in because every single year, there is someone that maybe should get picked in the top 10 that doesn't. Um, top 12 that doesn't. Top 13 that doesn't. And that's kind of strategically how we went about it is uh, there is a, I wouldn't call it an artificial premium, but there's definitely a a select premium in moving into the top 10 in this league. Um, and, you know, it goes from, you know, a future first from a team that's going to be exceptionally solid to a future first from a team that might not have all the pieces. And um, and that's just how it is. But, uh, you know, top 10 maybe guarantees you something, but at the same time, with an open roster at 15, you really have the option to take the best player available. Um, you know, uh, I'll use uh, the 2K community's terminology for a little bit, that S-tier player, right? Um a couple of them will fall out of the top 10 just based on need-based environments that have picks in the top 10, right? So if there's an amazing shooting guard, everybody in the top 10 has an amazing shooting guard or has a good enough shooting guard or even like their shooting guard that they have right now, he might be able to fall to us at 15. Um, and us be having a completely open roster, two through five or one through five, that's the nice thing about the versatility of Kenny as well, is we're going to be able to add that elite, talent to our roster without worrying okay can he play an alternate position because we need everything basically you know the more i listen to people talk about this stuff the more i realize i'd be a terrible coach i'm just gonna say it i'm just gonna say i'd be trying to build like some sort of super team with like a bunch of godlike players and then like realize like the pieces don't actually fit i feel like some people do that maybe i could just be talking out of my butt but I feel like strategic-wise, like you know what you're doing. Are you going to get this team back to that almost perfect win season? What was it, season two or three, Shane? The two or three? I, don't remember. I can't remember three. which one it was. Three? Season three. I, I see in the notes here that uh, Roy's on the conspiratorial side of the community where he believes it was all about the Bell 5 internet that season. So we'll have to, we'll have to duke it out on that topic right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty godlike, actually. Okay, yeah, no, cool. no, definitely not fully on conspiratorial side because I think you still need to be open. But, but, uh, but I think it's a win. Going I think on that, something in the, the wires. Well, I, I think it's. Uh, I think the team was really good, but also I still see it as a win. I think uh, that's a big reason why I came to the Raptors is uh, to land and shout out Bell Gaming by the way. Like I'm literally sitting in their space, like beautiful Bell Gaming Center behind me, dedicated stream room. I think having the opportunity to leverage a partnership for greater good is also like a win on the organization. Arguably, it's harder to do that if you look at the NBA 2K League than it is to, you know, land a souped five. 
um, in terms of on the roster. So still a win for the organization, but, uh, and you still have to get open to hit shots. I mean, if you're shooting bad shots, you're not going to win. doesn't matter how good the internet is. Oh yeah, yeah. I definitely think, you know, I wouldn't say I had to do with anything. I still think it's an organizational win. Um, everyone who tells me now, they're like, oh, season three was Bell five. That's okay. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Go get your partnerships team to go get a multi, you know, a multi-tier deal with your internet provider so you can put yourself in the same situation, right? We're professional esports organizations. Yeah. Like, yeah. Internet well, should not be a, Yeah, it, should be a, it shouldn't be a factor. Now, the pandemic was you know, one of the extenuating circumstances that would have affected some team's ability to, you know, deliver optimal results. But I 100% agree with you. It's like, an, you know, it's not only a partnerships, uh, you know, a testament to like good partnerships, but also a testament to just like good infrastructure, good sort of technology management, engineering, whatever you want to call it, right? We were, we spent, you know, weeks with our, with our technical teams in the house before the players arrived, just like setting everything up, troubleshooting it, testing it. Uh, in a sense, I see, uh, you know, esports programs, you know, not to the same extent, but you know you could argue in the same direction as like racing or like f1 where it's like yeah you need to have the best driver but you also need to have the best car you need to have the best engineers you need to have the best maintenance you know all that kind of stuff right there's a famous story i'm gonna butcher uh i can't remember his name but it's basically like the british cycling team there's this theory of like the uh the the uh aggregate of marginal gain i think i've told this before phil are you uh have you heard this before is that your i'm you're trying like, to learn right you're like no, where is he going with this where's he going with this <laughs> so there's this coach so there's this famous story there's a book about it you know i'm sure people some people potentially listening know exactly what i'm talking about and others are like what's he talking about but this british coach cycling coach uh, britain was terrible in cycling never won anything and his focus was like making everything one two percent better and his theory was if you do that across the board and it aggregates, you know, it will make a significant impact. So some of the examples that really stand out to me are I know that he painted the inside of their trucks that they move their bikes in all white. And the reason to do that was to be able to easily see dirt, grime, etc. Whereas if it was like a dark inside of a truck, you wouldn't. And that's the thing that they're shipping all their bikes in. So you would get extra dirt, extra dust into the gears of the bikes, you know, that sort of thing. He had they had all of their cyclers test their favorite pillow. And then they would ship the specific pillows for each of their cyclers to the city that they were having their next race in so that he knew because he knew how important sleep was. And, you know, you can only do so much about a mattress, but you can definitely change the pillow that someone's sleeping on. So he's got like hundreds of examples of areas where he just looked to optimize in small ways, but in aggregate, it made a huge difference. And they went from never winning anything to having like the most dominant era of cycling ever and became, you know, world renowned for their cycling program. So in a sense, I kind of look at esports in that way. We have way more control over that kind of stuff than you do in a lot of traditional sports. And in traditional sports, you see it as well, right? Even the Toronto Maple Leafs, they are, you know, the, the poster team of the NHL and we're known for having just the craziest medical staff, you know, all the support staff that that takes care of the players and it's a big reason why people want to come and play here you know etc so i agree i think you know anything like that if it is you know helping the, the team win i don't think it's you know it sort of seems something unfair necessarily but more so something that everybody could be doing if they were simply doing it right if they had the effort the energy to do it but the last thing i will say on this topic is everyone had to do these like speed tests there was this like shared document uh around the league that year because it was the pandemic they wanted to know what does everyone have who's in single apartments who's in you know more team facilities that sort of thing and i could tell you a half a dozen teams were still playing out of their arenas in their like new kind of team facilities and had a gig up and down and while i'm a huge proponent of bell five obviously here i use it at home uh it's you know most i think elite gamers in, in toronto uh subscribe to it um we were using like residential gigabyte internet 
You know what I mean? So like, yeah, it's great. But like you, any house on our block, cause we were in a regular house could have had the exact same internet as we had. Meanwhile, you've got teams who are playing out of their arena facilities who are tapping straight into their like, you know, pro grade pipe that they have running into the building, you know, completely unfiltered access, not going through any of the residential type of stuff that you might get in like a traditional modem that you just pick up at a store. So say what you will, you know, I, I definitely know the Bell 5 internet was a huge factor contributing to our success, but I think the idea that uh, others weren't on a level playing field is kind of silly and uh, you could just simply see it from the speed tests and, you know, again, understanding what was going on within those buildings that season yeah. where people were actually like in those arenas. Damn. You know, logically, that kind of makes sense. You know? <laughs> Did I argue about well? like, it? Could, I'm could, like, I'm, you think I'm the judge would have so a tough good. choice? Yeah, the, ju- the jury would have the jury would be out for a bit on that. Be like, okay, maybe maybe a tad. Maybe bit, it wasn't but... as cut and dry. <laughs> there's another like a lot thing of that you pieces. Yeah. There's another thing that you mentioned, uh, though, which is just like putting the puzzle together, kind of getting people into the right environment, right? And we see that this in sports all the time, where someone's like, you know, top prospect gets into an organization, doesn't work out, you know, everyone thinks they're a bust, moves to another organization, all of a sudden they're hitting their potential, right? And mm-hmm. and we've seen that happen too. And I think part of it was, you know, how well things worked with the with the team that year, because we had, you know, when when uh, what went down with Juan, which we don't have to dive into, but when what went down with Juan went down, you know, all of a sudden we had Jerry's little brother, sick one little brother jake step into the lineup and that was seen as like a charity pick initially and you know i would say and you coached both of them last year you know what was you know awesome about them when we were here was again with the pandemic i had way less access to the players we had to get two covid tests back to back clear in order to even go to the house and see them so it was like very hands-off that season kind of doing remote coaching um, but Jerry was there kind of being able to like mentor, nurture Jake and kind of like move him around the board, almost like a chess piece. Right. And I think that that was a, a contributing factor. And then you had amazing chemistry between um, Timely and uh, and Kenny and then Reese for that matter, too, because they've been playing for so long together. So I guess one commonality we have is we've both coached uh, Jerry and Jake. What was that like last year for you in Dallas? Yeah, it was interesting because, um, I mean, Jerry, uh I think Jerry is the second most traded player in 2K League history, I believe. So he brings really? like a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, I think is he first now? No, he's this. Yeah, actually, he might be first now that he just got traded to Oz. Um, so a little yeah, interesting fact. But like, he just brings a lot of knowledge to the table. He's like, okay, well, same thing. Kind of like you know, it's the team around you. I mean, having a strong team, whether it's in the front office or on the court, is awesome. For, and everyone knows it's awesome, but I think the biggest thing in the world is as human beings, we all have our limitations, right? And for me, I was 22 years old coaching a 2K league team. My limitation was experience. I was, as I told Shane, I was 17 when the league first came. When Jerry broke in the league, I was 17. I wasn't, if I was a player, I wouldn't even be eligible for the 2K league draft. I'm um, 23 now. And uh, Jerry would just bring a lot of experience in different situations. Whereas, you know, a fresh face, you're like, this might be the worst thing in the world to ever happen ever. And Jerry's like, no, no, this is pretty standard practice, man. Like, you know, every team I've been to <laughs> stuff yeah. like this has happened. So just having that knowledge from a player side, kind of like a, you know, like we all have our b- break uh, glass in case of emergency scenario. And Jerry would kind of hold me off and be like, no, 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 no. I know don't break the glass yet. Like we can handle this. And so just having that experience uh, to play off of was great where I could, uh, me and him had a great back and forth where it was like, I would say, okay, we've got to come up stack side. The uh, point guard in this team doesn't play defense out of his corner. And he would have the on-court implementation where he'd be like, okay, I want Kenny Zeus, our point guard at the time, to come up, reset me the ball, wrap until 
we get to stack side and we make that point guard play defense. So it was a good back and forth. I'd be like, this is what we have to do. And he would always have that on court translation. So yeah. Um, coaching Jerry was awesome. Coaching Jake was awesome too. I think uh, they're, what we're looking for this league is consistency, both on the court and off the court, right? You know who you are. You know what you're going to get from a coaching perspective and a teammate perspective. And Jake is the most consistent person I've ever coached where I knew what version of Jake I was going to get every single day. I mean, maybe he's not the most talkative kid in the world, but in the team dynamic, you need people that are going to speak up. You need people that are going to follow. Both is both are equally important. One is nothing without the other. And uh, I think that dynamic was something that we created uh, and created well. And you could see it like our back was against the wall in the ticket championship last year. And we we're like, it's literally win or go home. And the guys showed up, they, you know, one made $50,000 and sent us to playoffs. And we had a situation where we had a power forward playing lock because our lock was, you know, unfortunately suspended at the time and uh, just made it happen. And I think those moments where, you know, it's, you're kind of, we'll call it rock bottom. If you will, you got two choices. You can stay there and Things aren't going to get any worse. You can keep losing or you can fight back a little bit. And having the guy with the experience that Jerry has, let us fight back. So, uh, yeah, definitely grateful to have coached him. Awesome. Shout out Jerry and Jake. Yeah, two of my favorite guys I've coached in the league. And same thing, you know, same experience, like you said. Jake, every day, just so consistent, so reliable, right? That pandemic year, we had to do a lot of our own broadcast production stuff. And again, it was tough to get access to the house. You had to get back-to-back COVID tests cleared, et cetera. And, uh, you know, you didn't want to, you know, some of the guys, again, they, they have their pregame routines. You know, you don't want to get in their head. They want to be kind of like left alone before the game, get in the right mindset. Jake had zero problem, you know, getting on the the little rolling uh, pad, sliding underneath the, the you know, the uh, gaming terminal that we had and like helping set up wires like, oh, signal test isn't going right. Hey, Jake, can you test this thing? And then like popping back up and two minutes later, you know, playing for however many hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh, in a 2K League tournament because <laughs> we went undefeated with that kid in the lineup. You know what I mean? Like for a rookie, as young as he was with the type of mentality or personality that he has, it was just amazing to, to watch him. He was so reliable. Um, it was a great season. I loved having those guys on here. And, and Roy, I got to say, as someone who's known for my analogies, I think the, the group uh, that you work with today calls them Shane-isms. Uh, I respect all your analogies. I love the break oh, glass thanks, stuff. And I've yeah. heard a bunch of them throughout. I have a lot of analogies as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're cut from the same cloth on that front for sure. Roy, I, I, I see. Yeah, go ahead, Phil. Yeah, yeah you go. But I was going to say, like, you talked about, like, all the moves and, like, kind of like the, I guess, you know, a lot of ambitious plays and stuff like that. Like, this season, do you see the team, do, do you see them as being, like, a, a playoff contender, maybe like a championship contender? Is that where you're looking to at least, you know, kind of position them back to as you try and work these new pieces in you're looking to acquire? Yeah, so uh, just the way I work, just the way my, my mind works, I have, like, short-term, like mid-term and long-term goals. And uh, for me, for the organization, for the people around me. And uh, so I have some like, you know, quantitative goals and qualitative goals and mix of both. And what I mean by that is uh, I know where I want to be on the court and I know where I want to be off the court. On the court, yeah, why not? The turnover in this league is is crazy. Um, the average lifespan, if you will, average career of a 2K League player is slightly over a year. So, I mean, the Bucks did it. Um, they had better picks than us. I will, I will give them that. But the Bucks, you know, completely rebuilt their roster in the offseason. And here's, I guess, a Royism, if you will. Like the rebuild happens in the offseason. The rebuild doesn't happen in season. Like there is no quote unquote tanking. And even if there is, there's no guarantee that you're going to get the first overall pick. I and mean, the Hawks got a 2.1% chance this year. 
So that being said, like the, the mentality is always to win, uh, create opportunities of leverage, right? And if it's not 5v5, then maybe it's 3v3. If it's not 3v3, then maybe it's 5v5. But somewhere between these combinations of tournaments and infrastructures between 3v3 and 5v5, there will be an opportunity to demonstrate that we're a valuable team. Um, and the expectation is to win somewhere and somehow to find our identity and commit to it early. That's kind of the goal for us. And then off the court, what I see as a win is I want to be able to find that nucleus this year. Um, I want three guys that it's so much easier with three guys or four guys yeah. that you're bringing back and you're saying, okay, I'm not trying to find the X factor. I'm trying to find the fit, you know, like uh, just to use Jerry and Jake's example. The reason they have such great yin and yang is Jerry sees the floor and will tell you what he sees immediately. And Jake will be able to kind of take a step back and find the implementation of that according to Jerry. And one can't work without the other, right? Someone needs to say something. Someone needs to buy in. If, they, if someone says something and no one buys in, it doesn't matter. Sometimes even the, the wrong strategy is the right strategy with everyone bought in around you. So I think having three guys next year that, because this year it was really me. Like I came in, um, I got to bounce some stuff off Kev Franklin, who's awesome. Uh, Sam Pham, who's awesome. And we had very, I wouldn't say little player input, but everyone kind of knew like we had two losing seasons back to back. This is a brand new coach and GM. Like it's a natural breaking point, right? Like if they wanted to trade us, now would be the time. Uh, they got a brand new guy in charge. So I'm looking forward to having a, a like three, four guys that I can just be like, okay, we're going in not to find the piece because we have the pieces. We're, here, we're going to find the supplementary pieces where we can put people around you guys to make you better. Uh, Shane had a good example where Kenny was the MVP season three. A lot of it was because he was comfortable playing with Timely, playing with Reese. Yeah. We can get him back to that level say, you know, Kenny gets back to being one of the elite guards in the game. And Harris had a good quote the other day, Harris Rubenstein, where he said, uh, Kenny's always going to give the Raptors a chance in something. Um, and I think that same rhetoric re remains. I mean, he's one of the best 2K players in the world. I think of this 2K league build, which, uh, you know, if this game is merely emblematic of season three, if Kenny can play some defense, which is what Kenny's known for, is no matter what side of the ball he's on, he's going to pull up the shorts and give you some defense we can really make some noise this year. And in terms of being a quote unquote rebuilding team, like I like that. I like, uh, I like being the underdog. Um, I think it gives us a lot of opportunities when you're written off to create, to make some quiet moves and have people maybe not pay as much attention to them. It's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, obviously still very young in your career in the 2k league, but as Phil pointed out from the beginning, you got a plan communicate super well and i think you know one of the things i always harped on um you know with the team and and even you know as i was transitioning out and and you know uh leaving the keys to to kevin the group it was you know sports like hindsight's always 2020 right um mm -hmm. there is no one thing that is the right thing to do or one thing that's the wrong thing to do as a data guy you know it's all probabilities right mm -hmm. and i think one of the most important things is that everyone buys in because there is a strong Whoa. and clear leader and everyone can say, hey, this might not be the plan I want to execute, but I know that this plan, if I don't buy into it, is not going to work. That's for sure. Right. And mm -hmm. so it's like, hey, th there might be as many opinions as there are people in the room as far as whether this is the right direction to go or not. But regardless of that, we all need to buy in because what will definitely happen if we don't buy in is it this plan won't work. Right. And mm -hmm. so I think you've got the right ability to communicate and form that plan. And uh, obviously, Phil and I will be you know, rooting for you and rooting for Raptors Uprising. And man, nothing would make me happier than nice. to see you come in, shake this tree and 
all of a sudden, you know, pull out some tournament titles or some deep runs or who knows what, you know, the ceiling is for Raptors Uprising next year. But, you know, I th- certainly feel like uh, the team is in good hands and I love to see it because I have a great sense of pride for, you know, the, the years I spent there. And, um, you know, I'll be a Raptors Uprising fan for life. Appreciate that, Shane. They sent me a hoodie, so I'm always going to be a fan. <laughs> Phil was a Phil was a big merch guy in season one. Yeah. I remember. Uh, yeah, like, I like that. Cor- like easy, corner easy me in the studio. Here. Corner yeah. me in the studio. I was like, Shane, you got to get me some of that gear. I'm like, all right. So I remember like one one trip, I like traveled down. There were like a whole extra bag. I was like, all right, Phil, here's here's some gear. Don't forget about me. And then he unfollowed me on Twitter. But, you know. That's not nice. how that happened, Shane. That's just <laughs> not <laughs> an accurate story. We'll, we'll, it's all right, Phil. We'll, 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 I'll get you another hoodie this year. You got to follow me on Twitter. There you so, go. See, that's yeah. how you work it out. Now, but, uh, yeah, now all of a sudden your ratio is getting affected from the podcast. Phil's like, get me out of here. I got to get on with my day. But, oh, <laughs> speaking of the devil, I don't know if you guys heard that, but my doorbell just rang. And so it is another episode of the Raptors 2K podcast where my delivery beat Phil's delivery and it teleported up into my room. I can't wait to go devour this. While this does look like smoke and mirrors, the truth is there is actually a half and half chicken shawarma sitting at my front door right now, which is getting cold because it's freezing cold outside here in Toronto. And I'm very much looking forward to eating it. Phil, before Phil, Roy, before we sign off, I guess start with Roy. Anything uh, we didn't cover that you wanted to say or, or shout out or discuss? Yeah, no, I mean, only thing I'd say, uh, and I guess it's prospects-wise, like there's a baseline now. So I think that's why I love having an open roster. Uh, shout out everyone season one through four because without you, it's not possible to see what works and what doesn't work. Right? This is a brand new product. It's only six seasons old. So uh, listen to this. You want to get into the 2K League. You want to, you know, you're a prospect. You're just starting out, whatever the case may be, there is now a rubric to follow, you know, uh, off the court value on the court value. These things are no longer mutually exclusive. I mean, you have guys that are 13 years old when this came out that are now eligible that have spent their whole lives dreaming to be in this position. So, you know, follow the rubric, work hard. Um, let's, you know, this thing is growing. Whoever's out there, it's a fun, fun place to be. I never have a boring day at work. That's for sure. Um, you know, yeah. either come be a fan of us, try to get in, network with us, hit me up on Twitter, whatever the case may be. We're trying to get this thing as big as we can. So I appreciate these guys, the platform and everybody else. So, and yeah, excited for this season for sure. I love that. Yeah, for sure, man. Definitely appreciate your insight and just like that good, you know, energy and vibe you're bringing to the table. I think you're going to make an outstanding coach uh, in the league. And of course we appreciate you, you know, coming through and sharing your time and information with us. Um, you know I'm saying? Me and Shane always appreciate our guests and you have been definitely one of my favorites personally. Um, so let's conclude another edition of the Raptors 2K podcast. Again, brought to you by our friends at Uber Eats. Shane's got some waiting on him. Mine is like in route for two more minutes. And then I'm sure Roy's <laughs> going to go and devour something too. But thanks everybody for watching. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. And we can't wait to see you on the next one.